I love technical things. All right, is this working? All right, here we go. Uh, yeah, so whoever you are, whatever your story is, uh, we're all coming from so many different places, right? Um, that whatever you've uh, been through, whatever things you've experienced, whatever things you've done in life or haven't done in life, whatever it is that's brought you here today, whether, whether coming here is something that you do week in and week out or whether this is the first time you've showed up to church in years, uh, I want you to know that I'm really glad that you're here. And I hope that while you're here, you find this to be a safe place and you hear about a Jesus that is full of goodness uh, and full of peace. So that's my desire for you. Uh, I'm really excited to be here, as Renee said, uh, in large part because I just love Sam a lot. Um, Sam, we got to know each other about eight years ago through some mutual friends. But uh, I have just come to really love your pastor. Uh, I love his heart. I love his character, uh, which runs extremely deep, his authenticity. Uh, and for a guy, uh, you don't often see this from pastors, especially pastors who uh, are able to be uh, confident and funny and uh, likable people. Uh, you don't often see the humility that you see, uh, that I see in Sam. And so I hope you guys just know how blessed you are to have such an amazing pastor. He's really fantastic. I want to be like Sam when I grow up, so that's something I aspire to. In fact, before I came here this morning, I was, like, getting some curls in. You can't tell from the shirt, but, like, just working towards that is something for me to work towards. I also really have grown to love and adore you guys, the Living Stones Church, through the years. Uh, I tell you what, you guys have loved the south side of the city well. You love people with dignity and that's something that I'm really uh, impressed by and uh, look up to and try and learn from you guys and the ways that you've gone about doing that. A um, couple of years ago, my wife and I had our first foster daughter, uh, and when she was um, reunited with her family, which was a great situation for her, her family uh, was living over in Miami Hills, and I know that for my wife and I, it made it um, a lot more comfortable of a situation knowing that there was good neighbors here in Livingstone's church just down the road, that if her family ever needed anything, she could find neighbors that would love her well, and that meant the world to us. So thank you for all you are. Thank you, thank you for all you guys do for our city and loving the South Side well. Uh, to get to know me a little bit, uh, you do need to know about my family, which I'm going to share about in a second, but you also need to know, so we've been on, you guys are down here on the South Side, we've been up on the Northwest Side, all right, so that's been my heart for the last while. These are my three daughters that they're amazing. Uh, we've been on the northwest side just learning to be neighbors well. We lived in the Keller Park neighborhood for a while. Now we're in the near northwest neighborhood. Uh, and the passion that God has, God has brought into the heart of our family is to live in difficult places and to love people and neighbors well in there. So couldn't do it without my family, though. So these are my three daughters. On the left, we have Callie. Callie is a sixth grader at LaSalle School. Uh, she is uh, the brain of the family is the easiest way to get to know her. She, so this, this is a completely true story. When she was two years old, like not even two and a half, right? So my wife is riding in the car with her one day, and Callie says, hey, mom, we're going to the store. Can you buy me a Barbie at the store? Right? And my wife's like, no, Callie, I can't buy you a Barbie at the store. We don't have money for a Barbie to buy you a Barbie at the store. And she says, she says mom, I just stopped using diapers. I just got potty trained. Two years old. She's like, why don't you use the money you used to spend on diapers and buy me a Barbie? It was, it was like, well, we could have done that, but now we have to pay for parenting classes so we're not outwitted by a two-year-old, you know? Like, 
My goodness. So we knew we were in trouble at that point. She's brilliant and beautiful, and she's fantastic. On the right is Sophie. Sophie is my fourth grader at Kennedy uh, Academy, and she is my wild child. So she lives life completely to the full, which I love. Uh, best symbolized by we were watching a Notre Dame game last year at my friend's house, and we heard uh, this loud thud and then screaming, crying. We run into the room, and there's Sophie laying at the bottom of 12 stairs, uh, just laying there. We're like, oh my goodness, what happened? And she said, well, I tried to jump the stairs. So she jumped the 12 stairs from the top to the bottom and landed. Uh, and so we took her to the hospital, and it, sure enough, she had, uh, had a really bad sprain of her ankle and had to be in... Uh, a walking boot for you know several months or whatnot. And while she's laying there in the emergency room, uh, after the doctor looked at her, my wife looked at her. She said, Sophie, I just need to know, was it worth it? And Sophie said, yeah, Mom, I almost flew. <laughs> so that's Sophie. And if you know Sophie, you know that uh, is not just that one day. That's how she lives life every day. And then in the middle, you have Mickey, Michaela. She is our three-year-old. She was also our foster daughter when she came to us uh, and has been a part of our adopted family now for about a year and a half. Uh, Mickey is amazing. She is our, our authentic child. Uh, she tells it like it is at all points in times. Uh, it was several months ago that um, I'm sitting there on the floor uh, in our TV room, and Michaela comes up to me. And she grabs me by my face, and she looks me in the eyes. And that face, looking you in the eyes, is just about the most precious thing in the world. She lo- looks at me. She said, Daddy, I love you so much. It just it touched my heart. And then she says, but I love Mommy more. <laughs> you know what you get from Michaela. It's, it's wonderful. But she's absolutely right, because my wife, Robin... Uh, is amazing, and I can't blame anybody for loving her. She uh, is the most wonderful woman in the world, except she has this major uh, character flaw, uh, this problem, and it's really annoying uh, that she does this, but she has this problem that she cares too much, right? Do you, anybody have any pr- people in your lives with this problem that they just care too much? She, care, she cares too much, and so she's always trying to do all this nice stuff for us, which is really obnoxious sometimes, uh, <laughs> She, she's always, like, tidying the house is one of those things. She's always, like, helping to make sure that we're not leaving our stuff around and, and that the house is clean. And, and so she's going around picking stuff up. But it, it's so frustrating to me because um, my keys are supposed to be on top of the fourth book from the left on the third shelf. Like, that's just where my keys are. And she can, she can tell me all she wants that it's better off for me to have my keys on the key ring by the door. But... <laughs> I'm just not going to ever believe her, right? She's entitled to her opinion, uh, but that's just not how it is, right? And I, when I want my shoes, my shoes are supposed to be uh, half hanging out from underneath the bed. That's, that's their spot, right? So she has this thing that thinks that uh, the world should be a clean and tidy place, and I just agree to disagree with her on that, right? Sometimes uh, you just have to understand that life is better messy in certain ways, which makes sense that I would feel that way because I'm a huge Taco Bell fan. Anybody else Taco Bell fans? Uh, Taco Bell was what God did on the ninth day of creation, right? Like, <laughs> it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but Taco Bell wouldn't work if it wasn't the way it is, right? Like, it's not just the ingredients. By the way, like Taco Bell, really, like, no matter what you get there, you're just getting the same thing in a different shape, right? 
it's just meat and beans and tomatoes and lettuce and cheese, right? It's just what shape you want it in, right? Um, but it wouldn't work if it was all just those things, right? You would not want to go to a restaurant and get like a pile of tomatoes and a pile of lettuce and a pile of cheese and a pile of meat and a pile of beans. That, it, it would be all right, but it wouldn't be what Taco Bell is, right? It would be like missing the, the heart of what the goodness that's there, right? Sometimes you just need to embrace the messy and say, let's, let's mix all this stuff together. I don't think anybody's done it as well as uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken has done it, which they took these things that for centuries, hundreds of years even, people have been eating separately, mashed potatoes and gravy, right? Fried chicken, corn, cheese, like all these things. And they just said, like, just skip it. We're just going to throw it all in a bowl together <laughs> and mix it up. And it's this most amazing thing, this bowl that they have. It's just like mixing all of the things together, all these things that have been separate forever and mixing them all together, because sometimes life is better messy. Sometimes we need to realize that. Sometimes we need to embrace the messiness that's out there in life. And we see this in relationships as well, right? Relationships are messy because we as people are messy. We're all different. We all have different preferences. We all have different expectations. We all have different stories of things that we've been through and different backgrounds. We come from all these different places, but so many times we, can exp- we, we want to think that life shouldn't be messy, right? And as people, we want to avoid that mess. It's this natural tendency inside of us to clean these messy things up, right? To get through the messiness and onto something that feels a little safer and more secure and more stable and clean things up. But the issue is with relationships is that we have a God who loves differently, I would say, than that. As opposed to coming in and fixing everything that's messy, we have a God that jumped right into the middle of the messiness. And we see this in the story of Jesus. As God comes and takes on human form and comes right down into our world, he jumps into the middle of a messy world with messy relationships. And Jesus and his circles and his friendships, we don't see him getting into places where everything is nice and tidy. Instead, we see Jesus jumping to the middle of people's lives in ways that were extremely messy. He was in messy relationships with messy people that got him into messy conflicts with other people who had opinions about his messy relationships with people. Jesus was getting right into the middle of the messiness. He embraced the mess. He resisted the urge to clean everything up. Today, I want us to talk through some of these things, some of these tendencies in us to like uh, tidy up our relationships in a way that, that makes them clean and tidy, but actually misses out on the goodness and the love that's there, and the example that we see in Jesus. The first tendency to clean things up I want us to see in our relationships is the neatness of uh, everyone being the same, right? If we want our circles to be nice and tidy, if we want our relationships to be mess-free, we can get to mess-free relationships if everybody in our circles is the same. And so we do that, right? If we're honest with ourselves, we hang out with people so often who are just like us. We have friends who do the same thing as us, uh, who have the same hobbies as us, who uh, like to root for the same sports teams as us. I don't have time in my life for the negativity of Michigan fans, right? Like, <laughs> right? So we just don't. We don't go there. We, we keep those things nice and tidy and clean. 
We hang out with people who have the same social norms as us, right? Uh, those hidden rules of society that we, that, uh, we feel like people violate. There, an entire TV show, Seinfeld, I don't know if anybody watched Seinfeld back in the day, the entire TV show was about violating social norms, right? And you didn't want people who talked too close or did things too funny, right? You want people who have the same social norms and expectations of you. We make our relationship groups nice and tidy. Uh, we want our neighborhoods to be nice and tidy. We move to places where we live with other people who are just like us, and we put our kids in schools with other people that are just like them, right? We tend to tidy up our relationships. We do that in churches as well. Too often we go to churches with people who look like us and who act like us and have the same preferences as us, right? The no-clappers go to church with no-clappers, and the hand-wavers go to church with the (laughs) hand-wavers, Right? And the Baptists with the Baptists, and the Methodists with the Methodists, and the Catholics with the Catholics, and we don't ever mix those things together because we'd have too many arguments and things would get too messy. Right? We have these tendencies to make life nice and clean. But that's not what we see from God. In God, we see the messiness of diversity in our relationships, right? We see this story in Revelation of uh, Jesus on his throne in the end of days, right? And Jesus on his throne in the end of days, and we're told that he's surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses uh, that are from every uh, nation, tribe, people, and tongue. You have all of this diversity, all of these differences before him, right? And I used to hear that passage as a child, and I used to think about how amazing that was, that all these different people from all these different languages and all these different backgrounds and cultures were coming together. And as an adult, I started thinking about it, and I was like, that's not beautiful. That's messy. Can you imagine how horrible that would be to have all of those people there together? Everybody's got a different opinion on what type of music they should sing. Everybody's got a different opinion on uh, how the languages work together, right? You would have so many different opinions to have all that together. It's horribly messy, but the beauty is in the messiness of it. The beauty is in all those different people with all those different preferences and all those different backgrounds coming together. That doesn't happen smoothly. That doesn't happen easily. But there's goodness in the differences. There's goodness in the diversity. That is who we have as a God, a God that embraces that kind of messiness. So in our lives, may we be people that embrace that kind of messiness that pursue friendships with people who are different than us. And yeah, you're going to argue about where you should go to eat or what you should watch on TV or what concert you should go to or what the right way to talk to each other is. You may have differences in that. But those messy differences are good when we're coming together from our different places. We need to pursue relationships like that like Jesus did. And when we're in relationships with people who are different than us, it's so easy to walk away from those messy relationships, right? Because when we have those relationships with people that are different than us, uh, we start to have where it gets a little conflict in there, right? We start to have those situations where things aren't running very smoothly, and too often we too easily uh, don't put up the fight, right? We too easily just say it's easier just to walk away right now and not fight for this. May we be people that pursue those diverse relationships, and may we be people that fight for those diverse relationships. Another way, uh, as we move on, another way that we tend to uh, clean up and tidy up our relationships and make them non-messy is that we form relationships uh, where everyone is healthy, 
right? If you form relationships where everyone is healthy, your relationships are probably not going to be very messy. It's going to be nice. It's going to be tidy. It's going to be fun. You'll be able to spend time together. You'll be able to, to do great things together. Uh, you'll be able to spend your energy pursuing pleasure together, right? If you don't have to spend energy fixing problems, you can spend your energy doing great things that you love. And the neater our relationships are by making them more healthy, the less conflict there is, the less challenge there is. Because it gets hard when there's problems. It's hard when we have physical things going on with us, right? When our friends get sick, when we get sick, and there's physical things going on, that is a burden on the group, and it makes it messy. What about emotional relationships and emotional health? Right? Um, That's something we don't talk about very much in churches sometimes. Early in my marriage, the first year of our marriage, I thought everything was going to be perfect. You get married. My wife is absolutely amazing. You You get married and you expect this honeymoon period, right? No, my wife ended up having mental health challenges. She was depressed right away. And it got messy really quick. And I wasn't mature enough to handle that messiness. And all I could think about was your messiness, your, uh, your mental health issues are making it so that I can't go out and have fun with my friends or so that we can't go out and have dates together or we can't go out and have double dates together. And all I was obsessed with was how her messiness of her mental and emotional health was making my life worse. Until I got older and a couple of years ago, I started to face mental health challenges and depression of my own, Right? And only in the midst of that did I see the truth of what she was going through. We do this with spiritual health too, right? We tend to stay away from uh, the messiness of spiritual questions and doubts sometimes, right? We know what to do with people that are locked into faith. We know what to do with people that are outside of faith. But so many times we don't know what to do with people that are in places of doubts and questions, And it gets uncomfortable, and we try to rush them into one place or another. We try and clean up the messiness. But that's not what we see from Jesus and his approach to how he loved us. We see that Jesus embraced the messiness, that it's not just about everyone being healthy, but he embraced the messiness of relationships for both the sick and the healthy. Matthew 9, 12 and 13, we see this. It says, On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. See, so Jesus came into the world and was constantly around the sick. He was constantly around those going through challenge. He was with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the unclean Romans. In the way Jesus loved the world, he embraced these messy relationships. So what about us? What does it look like for us to embrace the messy relationships? What does it look like for us to show love and to welcome in those who are unhealthy, those who are spiritually unhealthy? How do we extend a loving arm to give people the time and the space to process where they might be at with regards to faith? What about the mental or emotionally unhealthy? Do we give them the time and space to walk through what they're going through? Do we walk through that with them? or the physically unhealthy? What does it mean for us to be people that love well, not just in the healthy times, but in the unhealthy times? 
A third way that we try and keep our relationships neat and tidy is by sweeping it under the rug, right? Uh, everybody, I think everybody in the world as a child did this, right? Like when you had to clean your room, you just took all of your mess and you just like shoved it under there and you pretended that everything was okay and that nothing was going to be a problem. And if we want to have tidy relationships, this is too often what we do, right? We go through life, we experience the differences we have in our relationships, and so we just sweep it under the rug. We don't talk about it. We don't deal with it. We just uh, move on and not talk about things altogether. And too often we do this in our friendships, right? We have friendships with other people, and as conflict comes up or as frustration comes up, we just don't talk about it, and bitterness starts to build up in us. And not just in our friendships, this happens in our churches too, Right? We can come here and we sit next to each other week in and week out as the, as the years go on. Sometimes for years upon years, we can sit next to each other. And I, I've had conversations with people where I'll hear somebody say, oh yeah, that other person over there, they did something like seven years ago, you know, and I just can't stand to be around them anymore. And yet we never talk about it. Right? We come and we sit and we sing songs and we either clap or don't clap or raise our hands or don't raise our hands, but we don't talk about our problems because that would be messy. And we don't want messy, and so we avoid that altogether. But that's not what we see, once again, from Jesus. Jesus embraces a style of relationships that's messy because he expects us to work it out. To work it out. We see this in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. He tells us this. He says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, or let's change this for us, right? If you're here taking communion... Right? Or if you're coming here and you're worshiping together, and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Right? So here we have Jesus telling us that it is so important for us to, 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 to work it out with each other, that we should stop what we're doing in the middle of the moment, not take another step forward, not sing another song, not sing another chorus, not even get to the verse, Right? But stop where we're at and make sure that we get and work it out. That's messy. It is messy to have those tough conversations. It is messy to get reconciled with people with whom we have tension. That is messy. But that is the way forward that God has for us. He wants us to move forward in that messiness. Next, another way we keep things neat is that we make everything about our personal journey about what we're going through and what we need to do to move forward. We're really good about this in the United States, right? Everybody, you just mind your business. You take care of yourself. In the USA, we talk about our individual rights, right? My rights, my choices, my individual freedoms, my individual responsibilities. We are so good about talking about what I need to do to take care of myself. And we focus on those things, we even have this in our faith, right? It's about me and my choice to follow Jesus so I can have a personal relationship with Jesus and I just need to make sure that I ask Jesus into my heart so that I can go and spend eternity with God in heaven, right? We tell a story that is very me-centered, that is very individual-centered in this country. But that's not how things have always been. You see, back in the day when Jesus was teaching, their society was called a more collective 
society, where the important thing wasn't the individual, the important thing was the groups. Are our groups healthy? Are our circles healthy? Are our relationships healthy? In Jeremiah 29, God told the people of Israel that they needed to seek the peace of their city. And he said, uh, the seek, seek the peace, the peace, the welfare, the wholeness, the lack of brokenness. And he said, guess what? And not only are you to seek the peace of your whole city, but your peace Your wholeness, your shalom is actually the word. Your peace, your wholeness is wrapped up in theirs, right? So if you want to experience wholeness and peace yourself, you need to find that by pursuing peace and wholeness for others. It's not just about the individual. It's about everybody and what we're going through. But that's messy because a messy look at responsibility says we are to share the burdens of others. Galatians 2 says it directly. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Man, that's intense. We have to love people as though we felt their pain in our bodies? No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I would rather feel good. Not only loving people who are going through tough things, but as though we're going through it ourselves. There's a messiness in the midst of that to share those burdens. And that's a challenge to say, not only do I need to deal with my things, but I have a responsibility to deal with your things as well. That's not simple and smooth and tidy. I want a quick disclaimer here because this is really a heavy challenge, right? It's not just us and what we're going through, but our neighbors, our friends, our church people, our city, the world. We have a responsibility, all those things, and that is heavy. And you can push back and we can push back and say, "Uh, but Ryan, we can't do all of those things. We can't be there for everybody. That would not be healthy. That would not be sane. We need to have some boundaries. And let me say yes. We do need to have boundaries. We do need to be healthy in some ways. But there is the tension of both in the story of Jesus, right? And instead of, instead of saying, hey, we have, this, we have this call to love others, but let's, let's be careful to be healthy about it. Instead of talking about both of those in ways that water each other down, let's have one talk really firmly about we are really supposed to be stretched into loving others. We are supposed to be really stretched in the challenge to carry the burdens, and share the burdens of our neighbors and our friends. And then some other time, let's have a talk about what it means to be healthy. and Let's have a talk about what it means to have healthy boundaries and to stay sane and, and all those things, right? But, but when we talk about them together, we lose the tension that's in both of those. May this morning, may we be t- challenged that there is a tension and a challenge uh, to love others well in this way. And it's not an easy way. It's not a clean and tidy way. It's a very messy way to wade through into the problems of others. Finally, uh, we tend to tidy up our circles by focusing on uh, getting ahead, right? Moving life forward. And that makes sense, right? The more we can get ahead, the more we can shake off uh, the challenges we face, the more we can uh, get, get our retirement figured out, the more we can you know, get our future figured out for us and for our children and for our grandchildren, the more we can get ahead, the, the easier life becomes in some ways, the tidier life becomes. We just try and make a better life for ourselves and clear out the obstacles that are before us. 
But let's also see, as people who are called to follow Jesus, that's not the picture we see from Jesus. We don't see a picture of getting ahead. We see a picture of running to the bottom, running to the back, right? We see a picture in John 1 of of God who comes, and it says in the message, I love it, it says, and the word took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Both parts of that are, are messy. Taking on flesh and blood, there's something very tangible, very icky about that, right? He took on flesh and blood. He got messy, and then he moved into our neighborhood. I don't know what your neighborhood's like. I know what my neighborhood's like, and it's messy, Right? Jesus got into the middle of it. And then we see in Philippians 2, we see it goes even further. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, I love this. This is my favorite passage in the Bible. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, real quick, let's stop there, who being in the very nature of God, he had it tidy. He had it neat. He had things flowing well for him. He was in heaven with God with access to all of who God is. He had it together. He was getting ahead who, though being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Or other translations say, uh, did not consider it something to be clung to, to be held onto, to be grasped onto as though you can't possibly let go out of fear of what would happen. So Jesus had the neatness, he had the tininess, but he did not cling to those things. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It is the opposite of getting ahead here. It's the opposite of running towards tidy. It's the opposite of removing the messiness. We have a God who runs full force into the middle of our mess. Whoever you are, whatever you've been through, You have a God who knows. It's not that he doesn't know who you are. It's not that you can hide it from him. It's not that that he's just naive. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you've been through. And his relationship with you isn't uh, contingent on you getting things cleaned up. He jumps into the middle of it. We're told that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us into the most messy places of our life, he runs right into the center of it. So closing today, our relationships are messy because we as people are messy. We are. The things we do, the preferences we have, the the big things, the small petty things, right? We're messy people. And the only way to neat and tidy relationships is to avoid those things. The only way to not have messy relationships is to avoid some of the most meaningful parts of each other. Thankfully, our God is not like that. Thankfully, our God gets into the messy. May we be people in our relationships, in our friendships, in our church relationships, may we be people that embrace that kind of messy as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, you've been with me in the middle of some of the stupidest things I've done when I was failing in my marriage early on, 
in the moments I fail with my children, in the moments I do the most selfish things, you see those things. Thank you that you don't run away from me. Thank you for diving into the middle of it. God, give us the courage and the strength to walk alongside others as you walk alongside us. In the name of Jesus, amen.